Hey loves, this is Constance of First Generation Healers Podcast, where we talk to various healers and learn all about what they do, and we learn how to access the healer within ourselves. Today, we're with Kami of Spirit Readings with Kami. She is an oracle healer prophetess. Today, we'll be talking about her journey being gifted, how reading our past lives can help us, all about Kami meeting her ascended master, Michael, and her awakening all about the dark night of the soul, how you know you're in the dark night of the soul, tips for going through the dark night of the soul, how to be more open to the universe's love, what heaven is like, what it's like talking to souls that have passed, if hell exists, why you might not feel aligned to other lightworkers, and what gifts there are in in the dark night of the soul, and the true blessing of having a narcissist in your life. So let's get right to it. I would love for you to tell me about your journey as far as being gifted and how you discovered that you were gifted. My gifts sort of came in really young. I recall being probably about four or five years old and seeing an entity for the first time and things just kind of continued from there. Although I will tell you, you know, from four to 40, I certainly felt a lot of programming and whitewashing and my gifts kind of took a a back burner, but I always seemed to manage to have a little bit of intuition or premonition or something like that. However, back in 2012 or so, I had an event, um, which I think we're probably going to talk a little bit more about in a little while, but I had an event that really sort of popped me into this new way of being. And um, I began having a lot more experiences from there. I began seeing people. I began having a lot more premonitions and intuitions and ESP. Oh my gosh, I had ESP like crazy back then. Of course, I sort of had this huge event happen in 2016 where um, I had a voice that I heard repetitively over and over and over again in my mind for about three months. And then shortly after that, my sister passed away. And the morning after she died, I had this amazing sort of merger experience with her where I could, it was almost like I I hosted her in my body for a couple of minutes and I could feel and see and hear her experiencing earth for the first time as a different being. And that really put me into a different place with my gifts and really inspired and encouraged me to share my gifts with others. So my sister's death was a huge, huge moment for me with my awakening. That's amazing. Merging is really amazing. It's scary. (laughs) It can be. And, but, but now I think it's such an honor to be able to merge with someone's loved one. I, I love it now. Did you ever play like being a psychic as a kid and that led to you being where you are now? You know, that's such a great question. I always, um, when people ask me or say to me, well, I don't know what I want to do when I grow up. I always ask them, well, what did you want to do when you were a kid? Like, how did you play? And for me, I was often out in the garden playing with fairies and otherworldly beings. I will tell you, every time we went to the library, I was the only kid in the occult section too. I don't know why, but like eight years old, I'm over there reading about all this, you know, the demons and stuff like that. So I I had a, a peaked interest very early on in life. Do you think that's linked to past lives for you? Uh, absolutely. Um, you know, it's so so interesting that you said that question. Yesterday was Halloween, of course, and um, <clears throat> I was inspired to dress as a Greek goddess. And as I was putting on my costume and doing my hair, I had this sort of 
uh, reverence, I think, for the way that I was dressed and kind of remembered that in a past life, um, I was told very, very early on, like in my 20s, I had a, a very, very early vision that I was the Oracle of Delphi. And so I, I do believe I've had a lot of past lives. I've shared my gifts. Uh, I do believe I've been a spiritual teacher in a past life. And I think that's sort of what the proclivity is about now. I, I love teaching people stuff. How has reading for yourself, your own past lives helped you? They have helped me to answer the whys in my life. Why do I feel this way? Why, you know, why am I afraid of drowning? Uh, why do I have a fear of being seen? It definitely answers the whys for me. And once you understand the whys, it becomes just sort of less emotional, I think, and more intellectual. Really, when you look at your Kashuk records, which is sort of the totality, gives you the themes of some of the whys in your life, things that you've chosen to continue to repeat and learn. Did you start off reading for yourself mostly? No, actually, I don't. I don't read for myself very much. Um, I <clears throat> actually, I mean, I couldn't tell you the last time that I read for myself. I think I did a three card draw maybe a month ago, just with one question on tarot, not even just for myself. Um, but I don't, I don't read for myself very often. Um, I, I definitely started out sharing my gifts with others. I have a big mouth. I can't help it. <laughs> it's true. You guys know, everybody listening to me knows, knows I have a big mouth. So it is what it is. <laughs> And did you have a lot of support in the beginning with your gifts? When my gifts started to come on board, people moved out of my life and new people moved in. And I've had a tremendous amount of support from strangers. I definitely understand that. I'm still actually moving through that transition. It's hard sometimes. You want to hold on to people, but it's not helping you grow. But you know what? Sometimes holding on hurts more than letting go. Exactly. So being a reader provides fun experiences, especially when you go into past lives. I was wondering if there's any that you want to share. I've been seeing a, a past life for myself now for probably 20 years. And I've been trying to work through the karma and the lessons. And um, this is probably the, the biggest past life that I'm working through right now. And for me, um, that past life was as a plantation worker in the Caribbean on a sugarcane plantation. And I have so many similarities with this woman as far as uh, not standing in my own power, uh, not wanting to be seen, of course, a lot of lessons there. And what's most interesting, I think, around that life, and I see this in other lives that I read for people, is um, I have physical scars from where this woman had been injured before. This body that I came in with sort of came with those scars and, and old sort of wounds. And I do see that quite a bit where if someone was stabbed or something like that, they'll have a scar. I've also seen quite a bit where people will feel encouraged to get a tattoo and they're not quite sure why. And then when we do their past life reading, we find out perhaps they were a dancer that liked a feather to dance with. And so they got a feather tattooed on them, that kind of thing. A lot of lessons coming from that sugarcane plantation life for me. And I wish I had permission from clients to talk about it because we have done some amazing work in our past life sessions. I know what you mean. You can see some really amazing things. It's, it's amazing. It's stunning. I mean, I've seen people's faces, their jaws just drop because it all comes together for them. Why? Why am I like this? It's finally answered. We're more connected than we're led to believe. Do you feel everyone has these gifts? They just, it's rather whether they're meant to tap into it in this lifetime or not? Yeah, I think that's a great question. Um, I do believe everyone has gifts. I do believe that a small amount of people wake up to them. 
And I do believe they vary depending on sort of your overarching soul's wants. So for me, my overarching soul's wants is to deliver messages and to teach. And so I focus there. But other people may, you know, be energy workers or something like that. And so they choose to focus there in this lifetime. Are you focusing more on teaching now? No, I'm not. I can't get away from these readings. I love, love, love doing readings for people so much that um, I don't think that I could ever move away from that. However, I do and have been sharing more of Spirit's wisdom in the form of teaching, in the form of doing just sort of short videos on YouTube, that kind of thing. Was it hard to start trusting the information you received in readings in the beginning? It really, really was. You know, the best way for you to trust what you're getting with your messages is to keep putting them out there and ask for feedback. They'll never know if you don't do it. You know, it's like a muscle. You know, the more that we use it, the stronger it gets. So exposure is key if you're trying to um, do readings and get comfortable and confident with them. What is it like working with Michael? Can you tell me? Oh, man. Huh? Can you tell us about Michael since the audience is going to be new to Michael? Yeah, yeah, sure. So, so let's back up here. You asked about, you know, my awakening and I sort of glossed over the man that was talking for three months, but that, that is who Michael is. So in 2016, I began hearing a voice singing to me, one voice, one song. It was Michael Hutchins from NXS over and over and over again for 90 days. He began appearing in my dreams um, it got to a point where I could hear him clairaudiently. I could be watching TV and I could hear him commenting in the 3D. Like it was just a, a crazy experience. And um, I do recall thinking that perhaps I was schizophrenic because I'm hearing a man's voice 24 seven for three months um, and ended up going to a psychic first before I went to a doctor and she laughed at me and told me that I was being awakened uh, by Michael and that this was the easiest way that he could think of to do this was to sing to me. Um, but that that relationship has continued on. Uh, we've been connected now for, um, gosh, almost five years now. Um, generally speaking, from November to January, he's highly talkative with me. Um, he's been transcribing some books through me. Um, it, it's a really loving kind of thing. It starts when I wake up and it ends when I go to sleep if I'm lucky and he's not talking in my sleep. But uh he, he's a wise being. He's an ascended master at this point in time. He um, resides in the seventh dimension along with other angels. Uh, he's a very, very old soul, and he's a lot of beautiful wisdom to share with people. And in fact, if we talk about the dark night of the soul, I did channel some information from him to share with the, with the audience. Oh, yeah, we're going to move into that next. I just wanted to get into more things about you. Is there anything else yeah. you want to express about yourself? You know, I, I think the one thing that I will share with everybody that's listening is that I, I love what I do. It took a very long time to get here. I worked in corporate America for 18 years. And despite having these difficult kind of breakdown moments to get me to this point, to get my gifts to open, to get me in front of people, I would never change it. And I love what I do. And I hope everyone finds that. How was that transition from corporate to what you do now? Was there a part of you that doubted this was an actual job? You know, what's funny is no, <laughs> no. One of the very first things that Michael said to me loud and clear was this is a gift, meaning me leaving corporate America and moving into um, owning my own business and providing services for folks is a gift. And I've been very, very fortunate to have um, <clears throat> financial support as I've sort of opened up and moved along here. And um, 
It, it wasn't hard. It, you know, the, I think the hardest thing apart it, about it was the stability, um, you know, that paycheck that comes every two weeks, having your insurance, that kind of thing. I think that's been the hardest part, obviously having to rely on yourself. There's no sick days here. Very true. But other than that, yeah, but other than that, it's been an absolute joy. I can set my own schedule. I can work when my energy says that it's good for me to work. I can work on tasks that I feel are good. You know, it, it's been a wonderful transition, just a little nerve wracking around the stability. But those are my lessons to learn too. I think I came in wanting to learn stability. Yeah, that makes sense. The whole survival. Yes. Relying on yourself and not others. So what is the dark night of the soul? I'm going to start with a quote that I'd read that I thought, you know, sums it up. Another way that spirit likes to, to talk about it for me is instead of saying dark night of the soul, they also call it the great awakening because it is the great awakening. I did hear a quote or read a quote once by a man named Joshua Press, who says that the dark night of the soul is a stage in personal development when a person undergoes a difficult and significant transition to a deeper perception of life and their place in it. This enhanced awareness is accompanied by painful shedding of previous conceptual frameworks, such as identity, relationship, career, habits, or belief systems that allowed them to construct meaning in their lives. And I don't think that you could get any, any better said about what a dark night of the soul is. It is a complete breakdown of your foundations and elimination of your identity and a removal of your beliefs and values in order for you to be built back up in a way that is more in alignment with your true vibrational state. I love that. It reminds me of in mythology, whenever you have a god or goddess that goes through hell and comes back learning something new. How about I have you dive into what Michael wants to tell us about the dark night of the soul? Sure. So when I sat with Michael, I asked him what he wanted to share with the audience about the dark night of the soul. And he said that the dark night of the soul is an initiation. It is a rite of passage. It is necessary for the rebirth into alignment with our higher self. It is something that we should be striving for is to work through this dark night of the soul and into the great awakening. So it's an initiation. Into what? I'm not sure still, but, <laughs> but it's definitely, definitely a rite of passage. Do you think the initiation is different for each person into what it goes into? Absolutely. You know, and I think that that largely depends on uh, our choices at time of incarnation, the lessons that we wanted to learn, the, the themes and experiences that we wanted to have 100%. I mean, uh, you know, there are so many different, different things that can come at you during the dark night of the soul. You know, I, I lost my sister amongst a lot of other things, but some people are triggered into drug abuse or homelessness or sex work. I mean, there's just so many different ways that a dark night of the soul will come for someone. Did you want to speak more on your own experience, the dark night of the soul? Mine started uh, September 5th, 2012. I had a major event and um, I understand now a lot of folks actually got triggered into their dark night in 2012. There was indeed a great awakening. Um, For me, I have gone through two divorces Um, some terrible harassment. I lost my home. I moved. I changed my career. I've changed my identity. I actually had to change my name due due to some domestic violence. Uh, My income changed. I went through extreme debt during my dark night. I had massive health issues. I was diagnosed with seven autoimmune diseases within a span of two years. 
um, lost my sister, lost almost all of my friends, um, lost my heart dog, Kiki. Gosh. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like a lot and it certainly has been a lot of it, but it's also been spread out over eight years and I've, I've tried to work through things as best as I could as they've come up. And I feel like I'm towards the end now of my dark night. It sounds very similar to the one I experienced where it's you learned that you can't rely on anything but yourself and you start to be aware that you have your own back. You know, I, I will tell you, I disagree with that. What I learned is that I can rely on myself and that I also have the universe that has my back and it does not ever fail me. I was more so thinking of like the people around me. I was like relying on other people for stability. Oh, yeah. I should have. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah. You know, we, we get our own sense of self from others, right? I mean, that's a very early programmed thing. Television, school, stuff like that is our sense of self comes from our others, but you're right. You have to learn to de- grow and build your own sense of identity without other influences and dark night of the soul will take you down to the studs girl so that you can build yourself back up. That is very true. I used to like hope to God, like, I hope someone sees who I am. I hope someone gets that. This is what this means. And none of that matters. No, none of it, because you got what it means for you. And that's what's important. You show up and share your light. Others will come. Do you, so as a collective right now, I feel like a lot of us are going through a dark night of the soul with, you know, COVID and just everything going on. How do you feel about that? A couple of things on that. So spirit told me that if you didn't have your dark night of the soul triggered through 2020, then you're, you're out of the cycle. (laughs) You'll sort of, I guess there's a whole new cycle of dark nights of the soul starting in a couple of years, but, but we're sort of working on this group that's already in it. I do think that COVID probably triggered some things for people. Um, Definitely, definitely did. 2020 has definitely triggered dark night of the soul for some people. Mm -hmm. But I I also tell you though, Stanza, like I feel like the dark night of the soul is more intimate than that. Like it's usually triggered by more personal things instead of sort of a worldwide thing. I think COVID sort of added to the dark night for some people. Makes sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah. Like I was thinking on... Because you talked about something that like I've gone through and it's like the, the narcissistic abuse and all that. And it's like, if you're stuck in the house with these people, I feel like you can't help, but you have to deal with it. You have to choose now. So that's the thing about COVID is COVID forced people to deal with it. And personally, I think this is tied to, you know, Saturn, the biggest astrology event that we're going to have in December with Saturn moving. I think that you were forced to deal with these final little bits, you know, and choose, choose. Do you want to continue to go through this or do you want to anchor in something different? And I think COVID definitely held the mirror up for a lot of people to look deep into. Oh, yeah. I think you see it a lot on Facebook, too, especially. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. (laughs) Stay strong, people. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, this too will pass. So what tips do you have for going through the dark night of the soul? Is there any steps? I don't know that I would say steps, but I, I would definitely say that there, that I can um, share some tips with your, with your listeners. Um, the first thing that I think is incredibly important when you're having things come at you around your dark night of the soul, whether it's um, financial issues or health, whatever it is, is that you adopt a perspective of learning and you ask yourself, what is this teaching me? I am a huge proponent of healing through, of course, because I love to teach healing through learning lessons. Once you learn the lessons, you can depersonalize a lot of things and release the energy around it. So ask yourself, what is this teaching me? There's lessons. 
remain hopeful for your future. I think that's incredibly important. I think I've seen a lot of people get really, really deep into depression during their dark night of the soul. And so we have to remain hopeful that the future is going to be different because it will be. Another thing that is fantastic to remember is to surrender. Resistance to any of these lessons is just going to keep them coming at you and keep them coming at you in a harder way. So surrender, learn the lesson, let it go. It's also important to have a support system. And I think this is where a lot of people struggle is that the dark night sort of moves a lot of folks out of their lives and then they feel alone and they don't have a support system. But the amazing thing that we have going on right now is we have the ability to connect with each other online. And there are millions of people out there who are looking for the same spiritual support system that you are. Another really important thing is to know that this is all temporary. It is. Once you learn those lessons, you can just start moving through them nice and easy. It is a temporary phase of your life. It does not, does not have to be permanent and should not be. The last thing that I would share with people is that it's important that you proactively work through your shadows. And so if you know that you're triggered, you know you have trauma, you know you have a wound somewhere, just go ahead and sit down and work through it before the universe provides you something to work through it with, right? Yes, I agree on that. And can you tell me about any services that you have that pertain to the dark night of the soul? Sure. So so something that I love to work in and around is inner child. Um, we have, so talk about, you know, those shadow work and trying to proactively work through them. Our, our inner child um, holds a lot of trauma for us. And so I do offer a couple of sessions where we just focus on your childhood trauma we ask, what can we learn? And then we let them go. Another thing that I would offer too, is I, I do have some past life readings and I believe that um, in order to understand yourself and the totality of your soul, where you're coming from, the themes that you're wanting to learn, you should also have a past life reading. Did you want to talk about your shadow work? My personal shadow work? <laughs> um, you don't have to do that if you don't want to, but I know you have the shadow work offering too for coaching. I do. Thank you for, yeah, thank you for reminding me of that. I do have a shadow coaching program that I'm running too. And and that has been incredibly impactful for people. Um, What that looks like is that we go in knowing that we are going to stand in some really murky waters together and shine some lights in places, things that have been troubling, traumatizing, keeping you back, keeping you from being aligned is what we will look at and heal and let go of over the course of a four session series. I feel like you described this already, but if you want to add anything to it, how do I know if I'm in the dark night of my soul? Is there any certain signs you feel like are pretty common? Like, will I have realized I need to stop a pattern? Well, you know what I, I think is probably the biggest sign for being in the dark night of the soul is that your identity is being dismantled. And so if your identity revolves, so for me, around being a corporate employee, getting up, going to work, having my house, making my payment, you know what I mean? Eating out, shopping, that kind of thing. That was sort of my identity. And all of that came to a halt and began being dismantled during my dark night of the soul. I lost my home. I lost my job. As sure as I wasn't out shopping. So I think, I think knowing and, and noticing that your identity is being challenged, who you have been all of this time, no longer works for you. The, the things that you have been doing, your go-tos no longer are effective. The dark night of the soul, I think, in the beginning feels quite a bit like a streak of bad luck that doesn't stop. 
because you're meant to learn lessons. It's not luck. It's lessons. Is there anything you wish I asked you about the dark night of soul? You know, I think it would be good to share with folks that um, the dark night of the soul can last for years. Um, I've read of other people's dark nights lasting 10, 12 years. It all depends on how deeply you are into the programming that you've had and how much you need to undo and deconstruct. It can be rather, rather intense. Like we talked about, some people don't make it. They don't. It's too intense. They don't have the tools. They they just don't know what to do with themselves. It can cause a, a deep depression, a lot of anxiety, feelings of hopelessness, grief, sadness, and fear. It, it is a very, very emotionally and energetically intense time. And it really lasts again, not only how, long, how deep you are in the construct, but how, how uh, much you're willing to surrender. If you don't want to surrender and you want to resist, it's going to keep going. The lessons will be served to you in harsher ways if you don't learn them and let go. Did you ever feel at one point that you're going to get through your dark night of the soul and be completely healed? It's going to be like rainbows and sunshine? And then you know what, girl? I'm there now. I'm there now. I can finally see where all of this work has paid off. I'm, I can finally see that, you know, spirit is giving me the same lessons, but I'm reacting differently. I'm there now. I am strongly anchored into a future that is um, aligned with my true being. Magic happens for me every day. I like that. So it's your attitude that changed. Not just my attitude, but I, I see signs every day. I, you know, I get messages every single day. I, you know, strangers will talk to me. I was having a hard moment at breakfast the other day and the waitress just randomly walked up to me and put her hand on me and said, I love you. I was like, all right, I needed that. So, so I get these messages and I'm deeply in tune. I think that's part of it too, is that the dark night opens you up to the possibilities of uh, things happening beyond just you. There's a whole mess of universe going on around us. We are loved and supported. And what helps you to feel more open to the universe's love? Self-love. It really is the key. Once you acknowledge, accept, and love, love, love who you are, the universe will shower you with anything that you want. What does your self-love look like? That's a great question. So for me, it's honoring myself. Me, Kami, you know, who shows up every day, it's taking care of my body. It's taking care of my emotional, energetic needs. It's having good boundaries. It's, you know, doing things that, that feed my soul. That's what my self-love looks like. I want to add this to, you okay. know, when, when we're out in public and we're smiling, chances are someone's going to smile back at you. And when you're sort of smiling within yourself, within your own self-love, chances are the universe is going to smile back at you. That's really beautiful. Mm -hmm. It's everywhere. All you have to do is be aware and um, willing and receptive to the universe's love. I'm going to backtrack. I actually had a question because I did tap in a little bit into some like family members that passed away. Did you end mm. up doing that with Halloween going on, tapping into any ancestors? Um, so what was interesting for me is, um, yeah, kind of. So my, my grandmother passed away about a month ago and we called her Gammy. And uh, yesterday out of the blue, someone said the word Gammy to me. And so I just thought that was interesting because she'd been on my mind and also in my heart have been my great Danes that have passed away. And 
you know, I don't see them very often, but as I went out for a walk today, a man had a puppy and a puppy Great Dane, and I felt like um, that was put in front of me to sort of reconnect with their energy. Other than that, though, I had a lot of vivid dreams last night, but I didn't do any kind of intentional work, if that's what you're asking. I was just wondering if you had any, like, visits or, like, what you explained that's perfect. Okay. Yeah, I did. You know, I think, I feel like, especially around the Great Deans and around Gammy, like it, it just kind of showed up organically to say hello. I'm so happy that you said it. Like that was your experience. Cause like, I'm picturing like, oh, I totally forgot like this holidays about this. And then like in the middle of the night, I'm just like, let me just connect with my aunt. <laughs> and that's like completely different. There's so many ways to do this. They are, there is, and, and, and they want to connect with us as much as we want to connect with them too. So it can't just be a quick hello, you know, from a stranger who says, I love you. Were you scared of talking to souls that have passed? No. And that's a function of, you know, having met my first deceased person at the age of four. And so I've always had a lot of imaginary friends as a child. Um, Also, I would say too, is that I have a set of rules uh, that, that I put out to the universe. I, I told them that um, when I began doing this work, that I didn't want to see anybody. I didn't want to clear vision, which is out the door now because I see people all the time. But I have rules like that. I didn't want anybody in my bedroom. I want to be able to turn this off. And for the most part, um, they've been very respectful of my rules. And I forgot your question already. <laughs> oh, if you were scared of seeing um, anyone that passed away. No. no, I've not been scared. So I've been so fortunate that, um, especially when working with clients, that uh, everybody's loved ones really are loving, bright beings. But that's also my agreement with, with the universe is that I don't want anything dark. I don't want anything heavy. I don't want anything scary. Bring me love and light beings only. You know, we can make agreements with the universe for what we're willing to accept in our, in our energy field. So no, but let me just say this to you. I have seen some scary things. I have come across entities, not loved ones that are scary. Yeah, I have had that happen too. I used to see a lot of um, like the mantis beings or some reptilians in the beginning, but that was Mm. my fear was bringing them up. I was afraid of seeing things I didn't want to see. Well, I saw a, what I I now know after five years, not even five, 10 years away from this, I now know that I interacted with a shapeshifter, but I have had, I had this interaction with this thing that would come to my bedside. It started in 2012 uh, and it would make itself look like one of my great Danes and I would pet it and pat it and talk to it and ask it if it wanted to go potty and it wouldn't go away. And so when I would open my eyes, it would have, it would look like my great Dane with a, but with a human smile wow. sitting next to the bed, smiling at me, terrifying that I have. So I have definitely worked with some terrifying things out there. And I was so, I'm so blessed to be surrounded by other beings of light. I have a a wonderful friend named Joanne Gartner, who is a shaman who taught me how to protect myself from that thing. I love that. Did she teach you the boundaries too then? She, so she did not teach me the boundaries. Her friend, Margaret Selby, who was one of my early on mentors, taught me the boundaries with the bedroom. She taught me how to clear my energy, how to bubble, bubble myself. It's something that I'll tell you guys all the time, bubble yourselves, how to bubble myself, how to set a firm boundary with what I am and am not willing to accept, you know, energetically what I'm willing to see or not see. Very, very brilliant woman. Do you picture bubbling other people sometimes? 
I do bubble other people. Oh, girl, yes. I bubble not just myself. I bubble my pets. I bubble my home. I bubble my neighbors. If I have a client that's having a tough time, I will bubble them too. I will clear their energy field. Absolutely. Okay, it's not just me. <laughs> no, no. I'm bubbling everybody out there. Y'all stay in your own lanes. That's so funny. I'll stay in my bubble. You stay in yours. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Did you want to talk about heaven? Or? Yeah, let's talk about heaven. <laughs> let's talk about heaven. So um, I love talking about heaven. Uh, I can share with you when I had that merger experience with my sister, I can tell you that heaven smells like an orange blossom for me. I always know that's when I'm, when I'm about to experience heaven. Um, there's been a couple of instances where I have worked with individuals that have been in a coma and I have found them standing in front of the light and I and just <clears throat> being in their presence in front of the light, not through the light, but in front of the light, I get to experience heaven and heaven, like I said, smells like an orange blossom, but it feels like an overwhelming love. And the two occasions that I've stood in front of heaven with those gentlemen that were in the coma, it just brought me to tears the amount of love that's waiting there for us. But let's talk about what's over there though, because that's the good part, right? So heaven is whatever you create it to be. And so if you are Catholic and you believe that you have to wait for Jesus to come back, or maybe Catholic's not the right word, but Christian waiting for Jesus to come back, then guess what happens when you die? You're just laying there waiting. But if you believe like I do, that you can create whatever you want in heaven, then that's exactly what you do. You go on and you create what you want. You have your own world. There are also common areas in heaven too. There is a hall of learning uh, where we can go and listen to guest lectures and maybe we can lecture ourselves about our experience. Uh, there's a hall of records and that's where I go to um, access the Akashic records. There's also a hall of healing and um, one of the gentlemen that I worked with that was in a coma state when I worked with him, um, I took him to that hall of healing to get healing, not only for his body, but his energy body while he was in a coma. Um, another very common, funny thing that I see often with folks that have passed over is a buffet. Heaven has a buffet with your favorite food. It's always the right temperature. It's always available for you. And people seem to love, love, love to hang out at the buffet. How do you know I was thinking about food? <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm on a fast right now. I'm thinking about food. That's for sure. <laughs> food on the mind. <laughs> I'm like doing this small like meal thing for pregnancy. So I'm like always hungry. <laughs> oh my Lord. Yeah. I've been on water today. It's okay. I'm, I'm fasting. I'm giving up sugar and caffeine and processed foods for November, my birthday. Aww. Oh, that's really good though. Mm, you know, I just feel this sense of urgency from spirit to Again, we have this change with Saturn, December 17th, but I feel this sense of urgency to burn off like any last little things that I need to give up or, or let go of before I step into this new energy, December 18th. So I'm going hard in November. <laughs> oh, I love it. Mm, I may not ask me in two days. Oh yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> but I'm going to do it. Yeah. I, um, with this pregnancy, I don't like coffee. It's a little disappointing, but it just smells awful and so it's like the only caffeine I really want so then like I try other um, things but I'm just like uh so I feel like maybe that is something I'm gonna end up giving up coffee um, when is your birthday stanza yeah. my birthday's in June it's June 5th 
So you, that makes you a Gemini? Yep. Ah, very good. All right. Giving birth to a Gemini too. It's looking well. Uh, good luck with that. What is Scott? What is he? Remind me. The Sagittarius. That's right. Our son's a Sagittarius too. That's right. That's why I was so happy about all of this. So Sagittarius and Gemini, as you know, are opposite on the wheels of, you know, the wheels here. So you guys are a really lovely mixture. I think it's good that you're going to have a Gemini baby. I think it's good. I think so too. Maybe interesting if it's a girl though. <laughs> I think it's, I think it's a girl too. Shall we put some money? <laughs> somewhere i need to start a baby pool i swear to god i have dreams about people and they don't even know they're pregnant like it's crazy i need to i do i need to start like a baby pool or something something that would be really yeah win sex and i don't know what else but yeah (laughs) it's crazy if they are pregnant make a bet with them yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, I literally, I'll, I'll message people if I dream about them and uh, they'll go take a test and they've been pregnant. It's amazing. So uh, I don't know why, but babies um, on the other side seem to flock to me. I work quite a bit with baby souls, people that haven't been incarnated yet. They're kind of in line, they're waiting, they pick their mommy and their daddy. And um, I've been really blessed to work with them before birth. And then there's a couple of children that I work with now post-birth that we've been working together for a couple of years just to, you know, help them while they're nonverbal. That's really cool. I have to actually try to do one of those readings with you with, about my kid. Oh my gosh. Those beyond parenting readings are amazing. <laughs> like it's just a channeled reading where we talk about, you know, what their life's going to look like, what lessons they chose to learn, you know, what their mission is, what their purpose is, uh, and, and the details too, you know, what occupation are they going to have, what their relationships are going to look like. It's an amazing reading. It's stunning to me what comes out of, my, <laughs> what comes out of me sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I'm still surprised at what comes out of me. I'm like, damn. I said that. I said that. <laughs> people will come back to me and be like hey you said uh, i don't know but that's awesome <laughs> i don't remember because well because i work in a semi-trans state i don't remember much of what i say oh, it's yeah. not me it's them i'm just the radio i'm literally just the radio tuned in playing the song i'll have to work on that more i haven't done much like merging in a while but it's so interesting like, you can feel so warm inside like i'm usually cold all the time Hmm. Yeah. I, uh, it, it's a different experience for me than you merging with my sister, merging with Michael or spirit or a loved one. It's just a different experience for me. I, um, it, it's almost like having, <laughs> it's almost like having medicine head. Like if you've taken some NyQuil and you're still trying to fight to be awake, like that's what it feels like to me. Like I'm here, but I'm not here. I'm in control, but I'm not in control. It's a very weird thing, but I've learned to submit to it because it works. I'm not sure if I know how to word this question. I personally haven't explored this yet. Maybe you know the answer to it. So like, let's say I have an ancestor. I'm going to go with that wording for now. I'm not really sure what to use. Who, who has been reborn. Can I still tap into that ancestor? It's such an odd thing that like, I've been pondering this lately. I think that you can. Um, I think that you can definitely tap, in, tap into the ancestral energy. Uh, it may be a little bit difficult to tap into what they're doing today. Maybe. Finding all these are like really cool books. They talk about, it's like, you know, shamanic stuff with your baby and talking to your baby and asking questions and getting answers. Mm-hmm. 
they're they're present for us. They're you know they're they're with us. So so before they before your baby will you know fully incarnate, um, which I believe is at the is just before birth, they actually go into the the body. Um, not only are they continuing to work on their lives, I want to learn this lesson, I want to tweak this, I want to tweak that, but they're also spending time with you, with your partner, with other family members, just sort of calibrating everybody's energy and getting ready for this. That sounds really exciting. It's an amazing thing. Uh, it's such a blessing for me to be a part of um, pregnancy and then birth with, with women and children. It's just such a beautiful thing. You're a mom too, right? Uh, you know, I am not a bio mom, but when my sister passed away, she had two little children and I always tell people that she gave me children. I always wanted to be a mom and she made me a mom. I helped raise them. And did you know that was going to happen in a way? Do you think like there's a connection there? Like, you <clears throat> no, not, no, I did not. And in fact, um, about two years before she died, when she, when she told me she was pregnant with her last child, you know, I was still as my, in my own journey around motherhood, you know, I hadn't. I hadn't resigned myself yet to not having children. Um, and so when she got pregnant with her son, I really had to do a lot of work around that. And I forgot your question. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> what were we saying? Oh, I was curious if you met their souls before and you kind of knew that. was. Oh, no, I had not. So when my niece was born, I was asleep still, girl. I was not awake. When my nephew was born, I was definitely in the middle of my dark night, but not, I did not have, you know, my gifts really came in when she died. Wow. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was, it was like a, a flip, a switch was flipped. Literally, literally. I, I was thinking about this. I went to bed one way. I woke up another. I did not know, you know. I had around my sister's death, you know, I had um, some premonitions, but I was in such deep denial that my sister would die. that I didn't even allow myself to go there. I didn't even allow it. Do you still struggle with that if you get a premonition like that? Around someone going to die? Yeah. No, I don't. I don't. You know, I think that life is such an amazing gift and a journey and, um, I believe that heaven is home. We are away. And so dying is going home. So if there is a hell, we create that, right? I don't believe in hell whatsoever. I don't believe that these beings of light and love and um, that we are, you know, we're made in the image of the source. I don't believe that there's a hell. That's great to I hear. Think we, I think we all go back to the same place, which is source all of us. You know, I want to add something on this. I've had that, that topic come up quite a bit. And I, and I love to use this example because people will kind of say, well, what about, you know, this person in history who was terrible? And so my favorite example is to use what about Hitler? Hitler was a horrible, horrible, horrible. Like I can't say that he, even he was a horrible. He chose when he incarnated to take on this role to affect change for millions of people. And he did. He did. And I actually feel pity for the soul that chose to, to be Hitler because he is a being of light and love, just like me and you, but he chose to come down and do some very hard work so that we could all be impacted for the better. And I do believe that Hitler is in heaven. I believe it. That reminds me of Conversations with God. Mm. It's a great book too. Mm -hmm.
Yeah, I'm not very well read. Um, I feel like it takes away from my authenticity. Like uh, somebody just said to me, somebody had to explain to me who Abraham Hicks was last year. I was like, who? <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not well read whatsoever because it takes away from, I think from my authenticity and my messages that I share. Something I'm seeing online now too, that's interesting is I've never felt into any of those authors to be like, is this true for me? Is this true at all? Like some light workers aren't there for the light. No. And, and I think that some light workers, I think we're kind of in, in um, different swimming pools. You and I seem to be in a, same, in a similar pool or the same pool. And we just sort of vibrate similarly. It's just, it's all vibrations and frequency. That's all it is. They just vibrate different. So it's whether I'm into that frequency like a radio or not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whether that frequency matches yours. And that doesn't mean that at some point in time it won't. It just means right now it might not. That makes sense. I can't get into Eckhart Tolle. I don't even know if I'm saying his name right. I try. Yeah. I, um, I can't say that I'm into anybody except, except for my, except for myself. That's <laughs> really know? good though. It's the best person to be into. It really is. Stay in your lane, <laughs> right? <laughs> it is. It's the best person to be into. Yeah. You know, and I'm so fortunate too to have my sister. I'm so fortunate to have Michael. I'm so fortunate to have everybody else's loved ones that sort of circulate around me too. I, I don't, I don't ever feel like being into myself means that I'm alone or without support or without wisdom because I have all of that available to me. Was there a time that you relied more outside of you? Oh, for sure. I mean, birth to 40 years <laughs> for sure. Of course, you know, we're all sort of indoctrined in the, into the same thing, into education, into television into work of course of course of course but I, I'm sure you, I think you're saying you know is there was there a time where I um allowed myself to be influenced by by others and um I would tell you my whole life until that dark night of the soul hit is there anything you wanted to cover that we haven't gone over from the dark night no I think that we have done a pretty good job well you know <clears throat> I did have one little bit written up about, we talked about sort of, you know, the struggles of my dark night, but um, I did have some, some stuff written down to share with the joys, because I think it's important that we stay anchored into the blessings that come out of the challenges. And so I certainly can share some of my joys from my dark night. What do you think? Yes, definitely do that. I like to look at those too. I think it's important. Yeah, I think it's important, you know, if there's somebody out there that's listening that's struggling right now, I think it's important to know that there are beautiful things that come out of this. And, and the, the best thing, the biggest, 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 best thing that came out of my dark night of the soul was self-love. I did not have that before. I, I was probably in self-loathing before my dark night of the soul. I did not honor myself. I did not honor my, you know, my journey. I did not honor my light. But the dark night of the soul served me some self-love. And, and, and that came in the form of, you know, being married to a narcissist. And that came in the form of a lot of different illnesses, a lot of different things like that. But that was sort of one of the biggest underlying gifts that I got. Another gift that I got is that I became aligned with my purpose-driven career service. You know, I, I, was, I worked in finance and legal for 18 years. It is super far away from what I'm doing now. But the gift from my dark night moved me into service. Um, it also cleared the path for me to have a connection with my higher self. And 
once we once we become connected with our higher self one we never feel lonely people that are lonely are not connected to their higher selves two we have a wellspring of wisdom available to us once we're just connected um it also gave me an awareness of relationships and how i show up it gave me an awareness of dark and light it gave me an awareness of a lot of things. Um, it gave me the gift of a soul family. We touched on several times that, you know, we've lost, we've both lost friends during this dark night of the soul. But what came in for me, what was made room for was my soul family. And I've got probably a half a dozen to 10 people that I'm very, very close with. And then I've got, I mean, stanza, I have hundreds, if not thousands of people in my soul family. And I'm so grateful for each of them regardless of whether they show up in a big way or a little way, maybe just the waitress saying, I love you, right? But it made room for my soul family. The other thing that it really, really helped me with and showed me is um, <clears throat> I learned through the dark night of the soul that I am a powerful being and that I can create my reality. And so I learned law of attraction through my dark night of the soul. And it has been amazing. And we talked earlier about, you know, when does it get to rainbows? Well, it's rainbows now because I wanted it that way. And the dark night of the soul taught me my power. I feel the same way. That's beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah. You beautiful. Have to darkness to find that power. You know, <clears throat> I heard something recently. I think I was meditating and some, I was meditating about someone else in spirit told me that they were a soul pilgrim. And I realized that I'm a soul pilgrim too. Like, I love it. Let's go to the dark places together. Let's touch that painful stuff. Let's shine lights on it. I love it. I love it. I'm definitely a soul pilgrim. Yeah. I really like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It just keeps bringing me back to learning to choose myself and choosing what's true for me and, you know, not listening to everyone else's story of who I am. And it's just an amazing feeling when you do that. You know, so many people can't even get to that spot where they can see that this isn't me. So many people are very, very deeply programmed. I feel sorry for them. But again, we've, we've been having a great awakening this year too. A lot of people are, are waking up and, coming on board, I have had, I've had a tremendous amount of new, not awake people come through and I've woken them up this year. It's really neat. I have to remember, I might have to just look at, I'll see if I can find it real quick. Cause I would love to share that with you. Mm -hmm. I had this own like transmission thing I shared a while ago. Mm -hmm. um, actually it's on my site. Let me, I'll turn off my sound real quick and get it. I'm waiting for it to load still, but it was so interesting. I've always been into helping people with the narcissistic abuse stuff. Mm -hmm. That's like a huge part of my transition to where I'm at now is going through that. And so I had this realization after like loads and loads of work on this, it became like a spiritual lesson for me. Mm -hmm. And it was going into how, and I, I never realized this. There's like this mirror effect that goes between the empath and the narcissist. Both of you are being fake in some way. You both have an identity that you're hiding behind. There's like so many different parallels. I'm finally getting it to load now. You know, <clears throat> a while ago, uh, at the beginning of the year, the spirit told me that the narcissist is here as a saboteur. It is here to, that being shows up to, to um, 
to stop you from sharing your light. It shows up to dim your light. Like that's what that being seeks. And now that I'm on the other side of a narcissistic relationship, I, I can see how that is, but I can also see how the narcissist gives you some really big gifts if you will just do the work. That's exactly what I wrote. And it felt so disturbing mm. to share that with people. <laughs> but it's true. It's true. You know, there, there are um, valuable, valuable things with the narcissistic relationship. It will push you to extremes and either you are going to um, rise up in a different way because it's, it's allowing you to do that or you're not. And it's so interesting. It's this person put into your path that says everything that goes on in your mind out loud to you and you have a chance to say, no, that's not true. It's like mirror work. It is. And so uh, narcissists are what I would call a dark mirror. Our dark mirrors are um, mirrors that take us into the deep places, the hard places, the painful places. I agree. It's, it's something that I word in here. It's like my shadow is walking around as an actual person. Yeah. And that person is a narcissist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's my oh, living and walking insecurities. It is. And it's thrown in your face. That's what the narcissist does. And you have the opportunity to choose different. So choose different. Exactly. So where can we find you online? Sure. You can find me at psychickami.com, K-A-M-I, or on Facebook. I've got a beautiful page going there. I'm also on Instagram. I've got a group on Facebook for my psychic soul fam. And I also recently started Spiritual Singles North America because we all need some love. So they can find me on Facebook at a variety of places and at psychickami.com. I love that. (laughs) Yeah. You're spiritually aligning people now too. I have to. Spirit started talking to me about it a couple of months ago. And I was like, fine, finally. I was like, fine, I'll make the group, fine. You have an app coming soon. Yes, I'm sure there will be an app, a site, <laughs> you name it. It'll be out there. It's happening. Fun. You know, we, it's true though. It's so, it's so, people struggle. You know, once they awake, they struggle with finding awakened partners. And I think that's probably a whole other conversation that I would love to have with you because I am, I am going to write a workshop on calling in your divine union soulmate. Yeah. I would love to have that conversation with you. Let's definitely set that up because I was going to ask you about yours. I know it's going to be like a huge conversation. I'm sure we'll go into. What a fun interview with Kami. Make sure you check out her page, Spirit Readings with Kami. Book your reading with her. She's amazing to work with share this with anyone you know who would enjoy it.